0: (laughs) Hi, my name is Lisa Borelli and I'm with the University Faculty Staff Assistance Program and I'm here today to talk with you a little bit about stress, stress management and stress taming. The first part of this program is educational and the second part is actually on our website which is a guided imagery relaxation exercise that you can go to and click on after we're finished here if you would like. Uh, remember that you get 15 points for your plan for health, and that can be tracked uh, through the Your Plan for Health website at yourplanforhealth.com. We're going to be talking about 15 different major areas of stress and stress management today, including uh, some work-life issues, work-life balance. We'll talk about the stress response, also the res- the relaxation response. We'll talk about some stress warning signs which most of you probably know already what yours are. Um, That's one good place to start is identifying what your, your stress warning signs are actually. We'll talk a little bit about sleep hygiene and some behavioral coping skills to manage stress whether you're at work or at home. We'll talk a little bit about resiliency training also about nutrition just a little bit, exercise, some of the causes of stress, and believe it or not, communication because communication can lead to stress and stress perceptions um, many times with relationships at home, with loved ones, but also with with coworkers. We will also take a look at a self inventory which you can uh, kind of fill out at your your leisure uh, after the program, and if you have any questions uh, while we're going through, please please feel free to ask me. What is stress? Anybody give me a definition? Your definition, or one that you've read or heard about? I think anything that weighs on your mind that preoccupies your thoughts. Okay, so something that sort of weighs on your mind can't stop thinking about preoccupies your thoughts anybody else okay one way to define stress is that stress is a a perception of a threat in the area whether it's a person or a situation or an event and also the perception that you're not going to be able to deal with or handle this stress very well Uh, that's one way to think about stress there are different kinds of stress. Of course, there's positive stress and uh, something called distress. A little bit of stress, I think, helps with focus and concentration and ability to make decisions. Those kinds of things. But if we get too much and we get overloaded with lots of uh, positive or negative stressors, then we don't get. We're not as apt to respond in a healthy way and so our focus and concentration may get a little rusty. So that's when we're feeling distressed. As you know, perceptions can change. And since stress is a perception, so can your perception of how to deal with and respond to stressors. With a little bit of information and experience, I think that you can change some of the ways that you think about events that happen, that uh, lead to stress for you, whether it's, again, at home or at work. I've seen some research that estimates between 60 to 90 percent of stress-related doctor's visits are stress-related. The most important thing to remember is most people will report insomnia as the number one stress sign across the nation to docs nationwide Um, oftentimes it's not actually what happens that is the stressful thing for us it's more about how we think about that stressor whether it's an event or a person a relationship so there, there is usually a practical side to or a practical problem that's existing, but there's also this, um, this emotional hook that comes out and kind of grabs you. And that triggers some emotion in us that makes us uh, sort of change our perception about what's happening. And if you think about it, uh, you really do have two assets that you take with you everywhere you go. You have your breathing, your ability to breathe, and also your thinking. That's what our brains like to do. Our brains think many, many thoughts every day. They estimate over fifty, sixty thousand 60,000 thoughts every day. Uh, and they also, re- some research shows that most of those thoughts are negative, critical, maybe judgmental. So really not uh, very helpful in terms of talking to ourselves all day long. The other is our breathing. And as you know, you breathe about how many times a day would you guess you breathe? Maybe eighteen, nineteen thousand 19,000 times while you're awake, roughly. And that's a lot of breathing. If you can learn to, to remember to breathe through your abdomen, called diaphragmatic breathing, that may help relax your body, mind, by, by triggering a part of your brain that's responsible for that. Uh, called the parasympathetic nervous system Uh, some studies show that diaphragmatic breathing does trigger that part of your brain part that just kind of relaxes blood pressure and pulse and breathing breathing rate Uh, and part of what stress management is about is about developing a memory of a relaxed mind-body state sometimes we're in uh, fat. we live in a fast-paced world we're always going 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 working with children, working with elder care uh, kinds of issues. Sometimes it's an ongoing process from the time you get up to the time you go to sleep at night. And it's important to remember to just take some time out for yourself where you can go to that kind of restful state. There's lots of ways to get there. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but giving yourself at least 20 minutes a day if you can to go internal uh, and just rest and kind of get your attention inward, instead of outward and all the external events that sometimes we don't really feel we have a lot of control over. Um, So you're really developing a a memory through repetition of a relaxed mind-body state. You've heard of the stress response. Sometimes that's called the fight-or-flight response. that, that term was coined back in the 1950s, I believe, by Walter Cannon. The fight-or-flight response refers to the um, physiological changes that occur when your brain perceives stress and stress hormones are released. Um, the fight-or-flight response, some people have added the word fright to that because oftentimes it is sort of a fearful uh, state, kind of a getting ready to either flee a situation or uh, fight. So they estimate um, the fight-or-flight response gets triggered about 50 times a day on the average. The first being, of course, if anyone here heard your alarm clock go off this morning as you were waking up, that's the first time. And if you add another 49 to that throughout the day, that's about how many, on average, the fight-or-flight response gets, um, gets triggered. Uh, the central nervous system is, is basically the part of the brain that gets affected. And the, when the cortisol and the adrenaline and the noradrenaline is released, that's, those are the stress hormones that go to the different organs and internal processes that uh, can in, increase blood pressure, pulse, metabolism, breathing rates, um, negative mood states and we all know what those are, Um, just completely raises your metabolism. It also makes uh, muscle cells more tense and more rigid, tighter, because of, of the blood flow. When your blood vessels constrict like that, it makes a muscle feel more tense and tight. So if you already have lower back pain, or for example, or migraines, or fibromyalgia, and then you're feeling stressed, probably will make those conditions conditions worse. Um, Another thing that happens when the stress response is elicited, there is a decrease in the immune system, uh, a general decrease in the immune system's functioning. So you might be more susceptible to colds and flus and sort of not feeling good in that way. also, in a cognitive kind of sense, if you're at work, sometimes our focus and concentration levels get uh, compromised some when we're feeling stressed. And our short-term memory sometimes can get affected. Uh, so I recommend when, you, when you're feeling stressed that you keep a, a notebook and jot down notes or things that you need to do. Uh, and, and, of course, in the long run, I think that if you're chronically exposed to the stress response probably has a decrease in your productivity, may start to affect your attitude at work, and of course, relational um, issues can also get affected. If you know anyone who is stressed or chronically exposed to the stress response, high levels for a long period of time, that may lead to stress-related illnesses. Uh, stress related, related illnesses are illnesses that you may have already that stress may make worse or in some, t- in some instances where stress causes stress related illnesses like diabetes, asthma, allergies, hypertension, which is high blood pressure, uh, sometimes depression and anxiety can also get worse with, with stress. The relaxation response is the opposite of the stress response. The relaxation response, that term was coined by Herbert Benson, he was a cardiologist at Harvard. Um, The relaxation response is a deep state of rest that your body and mind go into when um, the parasympathetic nervous system is triggered. And then you'll see a decrease sometimes with blood pressure, pulse, metabolism, breathing rate, and the negative mood states seem to get a little bit, bit better. Uh, I encourage people to practice eliciting the relaxation response. There's lots of ways you can do that, and we'll talk about that in, in a minute. Um, remember that practice makes... What? No. Actually, practice makes your perception change over time practicing something and experiencing it will will change how you perceive it uh, there are lots of benefits from doing relaxation exercises and that's why i recommend that to people that they do that along with some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques uh, those two coupled seem to, to work really well in stress management also in helping decrease anxiety and depression. Some of the short-term benefits are uh, the acute physiological state can be decreased, so the fight or flight response can be decreased uh, for short-term benefits by doing relaxation or breathing exercises. Um, Some of the longer-term benefits, the research that I have read um, where they took college students and exposed them to the relaxation response two times each day for 45-minute periods. And over a period of six weeks, uh, they measured the response to the cortisol and to the adrenaline, and there seemed to be um, a carryover effect where they were feeling relaxed and calm and able to concentrate and focus in really good ways, even when they weren't doing the actual relaxation exercise. So there seemed to be, through practice in six weeks, the crossover effect. Sort of it kind of counter counteracts the stress response, acting like a hormone block um, at the organ end organ state stage. Uh, so the cortisol is still released, but we just don't act on it, our uh, internal systems. You can develop a resiliency that way to stress um, Again, this can help with focus and concentration right at the job, um, at home, during difficult conversations, difficult times like in the dentist chair, any time that you feel maybe a little more tense or or stressed. It's really a a different way to look at life. um, When you think about relaxation and the techniques that they have that help elicit that relaxation response, I can think of uh, mindfulness which is really a practice of being present right in the present moment that is with, with what's happening right now. We're not in the past. We're not in the future. We're right here paying attention to the sen- our senses. And that mindfulness is a way to approach everyday life. And, and what it does is elicit the relaxation response. Yoga is another way. To do that, do, has anyone experienced yoga in the room? Yes. Yep. Do you find that to be true with the the breathing and the movement coupled together? Yes. Okay. Helps you uh, gain a focus and uh, sort of an internal focus. It's very calming and centering. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gentle stretching can do the same thing at home, or if you get a ten-minute break uh, at the office. Doing some shoulder stretches or neck stretches sometimes can help doing mini relaxation exercises or breathing exercises. You've probably heard of progressive muscle relaxation. That's where you can tense and tighten up large muscle groups and, and hold for maybe five, six seconds and then relax. Uh, many people don't know the difference between tension and relaxation. They may not be aware of, they have tension, say, in their muscles of their neck or abdomen area. And just to practice, if you could all make two fists like this and squeeze. Hold for just a few seconds. Good and relax. Tension and relaxation. Now, I noticed some of you held your breath when when we did that exercise. Uh, And a lot of times when we're stressed, we don't breathe as well thoracically, It's very shallow which doesn't allow a lot of oxygen as much perhaps to get to the the brain and we need the oxygen there uh, to make decisions and so our our executive functioning works better. Um, So please remember to breathe. Um, There are some other ways to elicit the relaxation response One is called paced breathing, which is simply um, breathing with intention. Perhaps for an example, uh, of counting silently to yourself from one to four, breathing on the in breath, counting two, three, four, and then on the out breath, counting backwards four, three, two, and one, and continuing that process for two to three minutes, just long enough to Interrupt the negative stress cycle if you're having one. Okay, so paced breathing uh, also, by the way, helps with hot flashes for anyone who's interested in that area. In fact, paced breathing—I read in a, a Newsweek article—that paced breathing helps better than guided uh, progressive muscle relaxation exercises and and better than biofeedback. So. Um, Try it and see if it works. There are some Eastern techniques that also help that are based more on the Eastern philosophies. Uh, tai Chi and Qigong Gong, you may have heard of before, which is um, will also elicit the relaxation um, state, and it's done through movement of energy that they call Qi. Uh, if you would like more information on that, they do have a, a class on campus for OSU community. That is free uh, and it is every week, and it's through the counseling and consultation area through Student Affairs. And if you're interested in that, please let me know and I can give you more information uh, about that free service on campus. Spiritual practice has also been known to elicit the relaxation response along with meditation. And meditation is different for everybody, it's a more personal kind of uh, inward focus. Um, usually done in a very quiet place where you won't get interrupted Um, practicing one time a day if you can I like to say once a day to keep the doctor away but um, over time it will help to retrain your brain in in forming a memory of a relaxed mind-body state something that helps me when I am doing relaxation or meditation is Focusing on something that's repetitious, like either your breath. It could be a word or a phrase, a short prayer, a mantra. And also having the ability to disregard everyday thoughts that come into our head, because that's what happens when we sit quietly. We have a stream of thoughts coming in. So gently just reminding yourself to... Not pay attention to those thoughts, but to keep your focus on the breathing or on the word that you have made up to, to focus on. i want to ask the group how do you know when you're stressed? How can you tell? I get distracted. Distracted? Mm hmm. Okay. <laughs> That's a good one. You know yourselves better than anybody else, so you probably know when you're getting stressed and you start to escalate a little bit. And as you can see on the slide, uh, there are eight ca- or rather, six categories of stress warning signs. I always thought stress was one feeling called being overwhelmed. But there's physical signs, behavioral, emotional, more thinking or cognitive signs of stress, uh, certainly sp- spiritual as well as relational. Um, and like I said earlier, sleep is one symptom of physical stress, or insomnia is, rather. Uh, tight, tight neck, tight muscles. Um, cognitively, I've heard uh, what many people talk about: um, lack of focus or concentration, not being able to follow a, you know a project all the way through. Sometimes re- with relationships, some people might isolate themselves from others sort of a sign of of stress and that's the first step identifying what your stress warning signs are so you know and they can be red flags as you go throughout your day at work that may be a, a little more difficult at times um, there are lots there's lots of literature out there that talks about how to organize yourself at work how to uh, decrease interruptions those kinds of more practical ways to decrease stress. Um, We're going to talk a little bit more about some of the physical ways to decrease stress. I was at a conference about two weeks ago with Deb Hoy. She's an RN that works at University Hospitals East. She did a sleep hygiene uh, presentation, and I learned a lot of new things from her, as you can see on your slides here. We sleep best when our body temperature is cool. So that's why some people have said, take a warm bath before bedtime or shower, and then your body cools off quickly, Um, helps to sleep. As you can see, establishing a sleep-wake cycle is important to do. That means get up at the same time each day and go to sleep at the same time each night to try to establish that. Even if you are sleepy, you know, go ahead and get up. Try to establish that cycle. Avoid naps during the day. Try to use your bed for only sleep. It means like no studying in there, uh, no eating, that kind of thing. If you can't sleep, they recommend that you get up and do something for about 20 minutes, reading a book, that kind of thing. You want to make sure it's a quiet, dark, and cool place. Um, She also mentioned exercise. If you can exercise a little bit before, say, 6 or 7 o'clock, that might also help you relax. Um, Because if you exercise close to bedtime, it kind of revs up your system a little bit and it's harder to to fall asleep. She recommends you keep your clock out of view so you don't continually look at it, seeing what time it is, especially for you warriors out there who are always thinking ahead. Um, there's also a, a hormone that is, is helpful called mel- melatonin, and you can certainly ask your physicians about this. Uh, they sell it at over-the-counter. Uh, melatonin is a natural occurring hormone that helps people sleep. And as you get a little older, um, our brains don't produce as much melatonin. So that might be, be helpful. I think it's also important to Establish a a routine, relaxation routine, before you try to wind down for bedtime. Oftentimes, uh, a protein snack can be helpful. For those of you who use alcohol or caffeine, uh, both of those may interfere with the the sleep cycle, especially um, alcohol. Tend to interfere with the rapid eye movement, dream state, sleep. Uh, that's where we really get our most restful sleep. Um, we, and you would think that alcohol does the opposite, but it really does interfere with that. So, uh, and also caffeine, you might want to watch your intake. Uh, sometimes people are very very sensitive to caffeine, and you have some in the morning, but that still may affect you later in the, in the evening. Um, so I think sleep hygiene plays a big part in stress management because we know how we feel when we haven't slept the night before and then we're at work uh, trying to be productive. Let's move into the behavioral coping skills now. There are some things that you can do uh, that are under your own control. They're behavioral in nature that you can do to help your stress and stress um, management during the day. Exercise is one of the best things that you can do I have a friend who calls it rejuvenating movements because she doesn't like the word exercise, but regular exercise has been shown to decrease stress, uh, increase a general sense of well-being, helps with anxiety and depression, and um, helps with many, many things. Exercise and nutrition um, are very important. In fact, another Your Plan for Health program is on nutrition. Uh, Melissa Kelb, a nutritionist, does that. Uh, And if you get a chance, that might be helpful if you're interested in that that area. Some people believe that music can be uh, a stress reliever, Uh, prayer and meditation. People do and seems to be relaxing for someone. Again, that is a, a focus and sort of a repetitive kind of motion so I could see where that would elicit relaxation. There are some studies out there on journaling keeping a diary just a a journal once a day for 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, James Pennebaker did a study with college students a while back and he had them write in their journal 15 minutes a day for four days about their innermost feelings and he measured pre and post Tests, testing for anxiety and depression, and both got better just over a four-day period. That's self-report, but that, I found that to be very interesting. Something else that helps with stress is having somebody to, stre- fe- to share your stress with, whether it be a loved one, a spouse, a co-worker, a friend, a pastor, uh, whomever you trust. Uh, I think that's why support groups work so well. Uh, Breast cancer support groups work fairly well compared to those that are not in them. People seem to uh, have better prognosis, they have less pain perception, they use less medication, Uh, they generally have a a sense of well-being that's rated a little higher than those that are not in support groups. Um, So having someone to talk to I think is important. Being outside for some people is also helpful to be around the light that um, is there. When light enters our eyes, uh, the serotonin in our brains, which is a, a sort of like a, uh, an opiate-like substance that uh, makes us feel good, it's a natural feel-good kind of um, serotonin, and being outside just for 10-15 minutes if you can during the day is helpful if you sit by a window during your uh, breaks or hopefully you sit by a window in your normal business day that can be helpful humor can also help with productivity healthy humor has been shown to help relieve stress and increase productivity actually in some studies so i think it's important to laugh and to a lightness um, at home and at work and I think that can also help just with maintaining our work ethic and increasing productivity there is a, a term called stress hardiness stress hardiness was a term that was coined by Suzanne Cabasa from City University in New York and she studied a group of people and found them to be stress hardy she did characterize four things that this group had in common and they all start with C's uh, the first one is challenge this group of people looked at the stressful event as a challenge how can I get through this you know kind of took it on head-on like that they also had um, a sense of commitment to whatever it was. They they were gonna give 110% and made a commitment that I'm gonna get through this and this is how I'm gonna do it. So their self-efficacy was very high. They had a sense of control, the third C, which was internally located. They really felt like what they were doing to manage their stress was going to be helpful. The fourth C was having someone close to just to share your stress with that I just mentioned earlier. So if you would like to develop your stress hardiness, um, I think that's, that's possible. Um, everyone in this room has those characteristics already and it might just be a matter of uh, sort of polishing up or getting information on one of those uh, to work through. I mentioned paced breathing before, that's helpful. Something behavioral you can do during the day, no one else even knows you're doing it. Uh, and since we're breathing anyway, we might as well make some of those diaphragmatic, if possible. Believe it or not, empathy is a stress management tool. Having empathy for other people, again, work or home, seems to uh, relax people, puts people in in a different perspective. And that's one of the ways uh, cognitive behavioral therapy techniques can help, helps, helps us look at a different perspective. We mentioned mindfulness earlier. There's another uh, term called optimism. I'm sure you know some optimists and I'm sure you know some pessimists. Uh, Optimism seems to help with with stress. Um, Feeling hopeful about the future. Martin Seligman is a very good author. He's written several books uh, on optimism. If you're interested, I can give you the the names of those after the, the program and interestingly enough self-esteem has a lot to do with how you deal and respond to stress the higher your self-esteem the better able in general you are to handle and deal with stressful events and people and situations massage therapy might also help Uh, something that you can do I believe that for medical purposes, the, the medical massages um, might be one of your benefits. You could check into that. If you need more information, please let me know about that as well. Did the doctor just put down a diagnosis of stress and get massage um, I don't believe that's true. I think it has to be a medical reason, uh, and there are certain diagnoses that are acceptable as medical management disease management sort of things i think migraines is one maybe uh, neck strain could be one those kinds of things again we we're just trying to develop a memory of a relaxed mind body state okay you've heard of people being resilient and in general I think people are pretty resilient we bounce back pretty quickly from um, traumas and events that are are hurtful there was an article in the American psychological association uh, called the road to resilience and what they recommended was to try to increase your flexibility with people um, being open being a little bit more flexible and and able to move in other directions other than one standard response. Also, nurturing your connections with people is important. To be resilient, I think you look for opportunities and then you take advantage of them. Having a hopeful outlook for future events and things like that also can help with bouncing back from trauma or stressful events. Learning to develop um, mood management skills. That's an easy said, harder to do kind of thing. Um, But our moods oftentimes are influenced by how we think. Um, And being resilient takes an awareness of, first of all, what are we thinking and how is it affecting our health or our moods, that kind of um, pattern. Trying to keep things in perspective can also be helpful that's why I think empathy works uh, pretty well we all have learned behavior thoughts uh, from when we were very young and we sometimes take those patterns and try to apply them in our adulthood and they don't work quite as well sometimes Um, it's nice to also set a goal for a day At least then you have something to look forward to to make movement toward so you can measure your progress in small increments uh, sometimes that's that's helpful. It's okay to put yourself first sometimes. I think sometimes we uh, want to put other people first and we tend to forget about ourselves, especially in this busy world that we live in. Um, and I say go ahead and put yourself first sometimes. Take that time for yourself. Try to identify some positive characteristics that you can make, I I guess, develop at a different level. Positive characteristics can include um, being curious, fairness, um, humor, teamwork. These are traits that you can work on that will help to even decrease anxiety, depression, and stress. You take good care of yourself that way. I'm not gonna talk too much about exercise. That's something that um, you also can get some points for for your plan for health. Um, Some information from the Mayo Clinic suggests that regular exercise does does help you sleep and rest better. It can manage stress and pain perception. <clears throat> it can help you maintain a, a healthy, normal weight. Regular exercise also has been shown to prevent type 2 diabetes. It also helps to build strong muscles and bones and our cardiovascular system. Um, again, these re- rejuvenating movements you can do all, all day. You can learn to park if you take uh, bring a car to work in the farthest space and then walk to work. You can take the steps. There's lots of ways that you can incorporate five or 10 minutes of physical exercise while you're at work. Um, Exercise can also help build healthy relationships if you have someone to to do that with. uh, Sometimes that's helpful. Can really improve your quality of life. So keep that in mind uh, as you continue to learn about stress and stress management. There are lots of causes of stress. What do you think some of them are? What do you think causes stress? More external. Other people. hmm Other people? hmm We have to deal with people all day long. Yeah, things that are going on out in the world, society. hmm okay. The environment, things in the environment, There's economic reasons for stress sometimes, the relational, physical demands of just life and living, taking care of children, elder care issues. Um, And we try not to bring work home, and we try not to bring home to work, but we take ourselves really everywhere we go. So uh, it's important, I think, just to know that there are gonna be distractions out there and one of the best ways is to uh, learn how to respond to those distractions because they're gonna be there. Stress is not really gonna go away, but what you can learn to do is respond to stress in a different way. I had mentioned earlier that communication also plays a big part in in people feeling stressed. Um, Working at the faculty staff assistance program, most people who come in to meet with us have some sort of stress or conflict around a relationship whether it be a work relationship or a personal relationship and I believe that most people just want to be acknowledged understood and listened to if you think about it when you're talking with somebody Um, you may have learned about the communication styles um, in the past there are four major ones aggression aggressive passive um, passive aggressive and assertive I think I said that right okay passive you know what that is that's when I don't count and you count and I'm gonna let you decide everything for me sort of aggressive aggressive is when I count and you don't count and I'm gonna be a bully and kind of get my way here assertive assertive communication styles is more win-win I count and you count and I'm going to work together with you in a collaborative way to try to uh, either resolve this conflict or work on this project and then the passive-aggressive one is I think mostly when people are feeling angry but aren't able to tell you so they do something kind of sideways or A little bit not it's not a direct way that they forget to do this or that or forget to meet you somewhere so those are the communication styles that I have learned um, with assertiveness generally working the best for win-win situations especially in the workplace uh, and at home also and I suppose you can always weigh the, the situation what is the risk here of me being passive or or aggressive Uh, I think if you're in danger and someone's being aggressive, certainly you want to be aggressive and leave the situation. But other times you might have to weigh out the the situation. When people talk to each other, um, mostly what they remember about the conversation, at least in the, the statistics I've seen, is not a whole lot about the content. They remember more your tone of voice, how you look, are you making eye contact? Are you open or are you more closed and uh, kind of not paying attention? So when you're talking with people, remember, remember that. They, they pick right up on your tone and your body language. So um, I think that's very important. Uh, there's something called the emotional quotient that I believe um, Bob Forte will be talking maybe more about in his relational skill program. But for those of you who want to learn more about that, emotional quotient or emotional intelligence, there's lots of good um, literature out there. It's developing um, flexibility and awareness of yourself as as you're talking, also awareness of the other person and and trying to do a, a more collaborative conversation. One of the hardest things uh, to do is to learn how to turn down your internal dialogue when we're having a conversation or even a conflict. Uh, Most people are, are some people, I should say, are ready to say what they want to say even before the other person's finished talking, and that can cause a conflict. If you can learn uh, more to be the supporting uh, person, encouraging the other person to speak and to share their feelings with you, Uh, Learn how you feel inside as you talk. Um, That self-awareness is important uh, to know, and being able to share that with someone helps, I think, with uh, the dialogue and the stress of a conversation. Again, flexibility and using respect for other people, as direct and open as you can be. Uh, Sometimes we need to come back to a conversation if it's too conflictual. Uh, And that makes sense to do sometimes as well. Um, You've heard of turn-taking. That's in a conversation where you say something and then it it might be the other person's turn. Um, That's a respect um, idea there. And I, I think the more you practice, again, the more your perception will change. Active listening is important, too. Uh, active listening is when you might say to somebody, this is what I just thought I heard you say. Is that accurate or is that correct? Because sometimes we don't hear what the other person said or what they intended. So you have a, a, a sender whose intended message does not get across. Something else does. So you can always check that out. Um, there's a quote here um, on the next slide. While we may not be able to control all that happens to us, we can control what happens inside us. It's by Benjamin Franklin. So you can think differently about events, people, things that happen to us, uh, because people are going to push our buttons. We can learn how to respond differently to them. Um, And in the next slide, the cognitive coping skills uh, are also important here. If you can try to develop an optimistic outlook, that can be helpful. One thing I use at work uh, for cognitive reasons is when I start to feel stressed, I'll use a four-step technique. It's called stop, breathe, reflect, and choose. Um, This is one of Herbert Benson's uh, four-step techniques. Stop what it is you're doing if you can. Take a few diaphragmatic breaths. Reflect on, what am I thinking? and what am I feeling and then I make a choice do I want to get involved in this do I want this to uh, upset me I can try to make a choice and do something else that's more positive Um, we talk to ourselves all day long if you're like me you talk to yourself all day long And if you're going to do that you might as well say something that's positive and accurate something that you believe one hundred percent that can help interrupt the negative stress cycle. We all have stress, and in, in the negative stress cycle, the stress can trigger uh, beliefs, assumptions, attitudes that we all have about the world and the people in the world. Those assumptions sometimes can trigger automatic thoughts, which are sometimes negative. And a negative thought then, then can lead to sort of a negative mood state Uh, can certainly influence how we feel. And then action and behavior comes after that. So sometimes when we're in a bad mood or in a negative state, we say and do things that we really don't mean. Uh, And that can make the stress or the relationship worse. And it can also lead to the stress-related illnesses um, through the release of the, the stress hormones. Sometimes when I have a few minutes, I might just pick two words, perhaps um, peace on the in-breath and release tension on the out-breath or tension out. Peace in, tension out. And sometimes that, that is helpful. I will also say to myself, Lisa, what am I thinking right this minute that's making me feel so bad? So I try to analyze my thinking Um, some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques um, are helpful in in this way specifically the reframing or the cognitive restructuring and that's when you can try to identify if you're having a a distorted thought for example all-or-nothing thinking can has been known to be a um, distorted or skewed thought when we think in terms of absolutes, Um, we sometimes generalize, we sometimes blame other people. There's lots of cognitive distortions out there and lots of good books that can tell you more about those. But if you can identify the distortion and your mood and ask yourself, is that an accurate thought? Um, What good is that going to do me to keep that thought? Uh, Sometimes you can reframe it and say it to yourself in a different way, uh, and that sometimes works. Uh, you have to believe it, though, yourself. I wouldn't encourage you to say things that you don't believe. Um, anyone who's interested in that can certainly schedule an appointment, I'd be glad to, to meet with you and uh, talk more about this specifically um, about situations that you might might be in. In the next slide, there's a self-inventory that I talked about earlier that you can um, get copies of after this presentation if you would like. Uh, I can email those to you if you would like. Sometimes it helps just to write down some action skills or some um, positive things that you can do to remind yourself, I'm doing this for stress and stress management purposes. Put it on your... uh, computer screen, your refrigerator, wherever you think it would help. The first one is identifying physical and positive self-care habits that can relieve tension on a daily basis. And you know what those are. It might be progressive muscle relaxation. It might be a breathing technique. It might mean walking around the building for a two-minute break. The next one is listing your support circle. Who supports you? Who, who are your friends, the people you trust to talk to? Could be coworkers, friends. The next one uh, listing action skills that you can use to change the situation or to even view the situation differently. Could be empathy, perhaps, um, learning to think differently about it, asking yourself what is it going to matter in three minutes, three days, or three weeks listing some attitudes or beliefs that may help you view a situation differently and, and that might take some time uh, those those attitudes and assumptions and beliefs are um, sometimes what we call the roots and the weeds up here are the automatic thoughts so it, it makes sense to go down and, and look at the weeds to try to Find out what some of the core beliefs are when you're making uh, cognitive changes. And then listing one or two life experiences that have taught you how to manage stress. And those are personal. You've all been through areas and things in your life um, that were stressful and you know how you got through it. So identifying what your, your strengths are, are important. As a review, We talked a little bit about the physiology of the stress response and the relaxation response. We talked about some signs and symptoms of stress, uh, which you know best yourself. Some of the short and long-term benefits uh, we also discussed earlier. We talked about some behavioral and some cognitive coping skills today. Um, We talked about exercise and stress hardiness as some coping techniques, areas, characteristics that you can develop over time. We talked about communication and how important that is in reducing stress or preventing stress from happening. Um, And I think your self-inventory would be a, a great place to start where you can look at those points on a daily basis just to remind yourself that I can breathe differently. I can think differently. And certainly you can always um, make appointments and come on in and and talk with me if you you feel like that might be helpful. The second part of this program is the relaxation exercise. As you can see on the slide, if you go to www.osu.org, mhcs.com forward slash ufsap. You can click on the stress taming CD. Uh, it will be on the second track. There's a 13 minute guided imagery breath focus relaxation exercise that you can do. Um, want to also remind you that Care Allies through OSU managed healthcare is also a place where you can Take a, a stress management uh, program that's different than coming in to, to meet with one of the faculty staff assistance counselors. Um, remember to track your points, yourplanforhealth.com. I thank you for being here today. Um, enjoy.